Well, hey there, and welcome back to The Will and Rob Show. It is wonderful to be with you as we have survived, all of us have survived the Ides of March and made it on to uh, March 17th when this episode is being released. It's great. St. Patty's be- Day. That is so true. I have an I have a very Irish roommate who uh, asked me, what, what do you know what day tomorrow is, Will? And I said, St. Patrick's Day. And he said, no, it's Christmas, which apparently <laughs> is just so meaningful to the Irish. And so I don't want to take that from him. So good, good job bringing that up. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're, we're here, I guess, celebrating St. Patrick's Day with you guys. Uh, my name is Will Stockdale. I'm a ministry associate with Minister to State, which is a ministry of the PCA here in Washington, D.C., serving those serving in government. Here, as always, with my very good friend, Robert Hassler, who is a ministry associate along with me. Um, and so we are here. Uh, we have definitely a conversation we want to have, a little a talk, something of a, hopefully an encouragement, a little encouraging boost but before we get to that, as we always like to do, just a little bit of chit chat, a little bit of banter. Um, I saw a picture today um, on the interwebs of spring training and a, an MLB first baseman taking infield. And there was this overwhelming desire that came up in me just to be on a freshly cut infield or outfield with a bucket of balls and shagging flies or taking infield just for the whole day. Just get out there a couple of guys and you just go yep. around the ball and uh, the weather is perfect for that. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it definitely feels like baseball weather. And uh, this was always like the best time of the year growing up because the weather is starting, starting to turn and it's not like blistering hot. We were both, we were both grew up in Texas. So we sort of know the, you know, summers are great as kids because you don't have school, but in Texas, it's like you can't do a whole lot during the middle of the day because it's just so hot. Um, but at this time of the year, it's it's beautiful. Um, this is also my absolute favorite week because March Madness starts this week, um, which that means I get to just uh, uh, sit around my house all day and just have basketball streamed on like multiple screens just going all day you look you look surprised do you not know that the tournament starts? i look confused you said you can just sit around your house all day and watch basketball did, did chuck give you the week off or something <laughs> have i this is the beauty I of missed... working from home uh, you can just have it on you know my uh, this was this was all in college this was the day that um you know you tried to you you, you took what you went to your morning classes but anything that started after the 12 30 tip-off time it was like you're not going come to the house and just we, we've got the games on and you just kind of watch your bracket all day as it gets just slowly destroyed as the games go on. So, but I am, are you in the PCA tournament bracket competition? No, I'm not. I I've gotten a couple offers for brackets and I have not filled out any of them. And I really, brackets are great. It's not about winning. It's the, it's the act of participation. And mm-hmm. it. it is the, like, like you said, watching your bracket get destroyed unless you're like too obsessed with it is actually kind of fun. Like just seeing what you get right, what you don't, how'd you guess? Um, yeah. It, it, it makes watching a lot more better. It was probably like why fantasy sports are so yeah. good for, for, for like real life sports. Yeah. I, I told my friends that uh, last year I watched more college basketball than I ever have in my entire life. And I mm. finished last in my bracket pool. And this year 
I didn't watch a single full game. So I'm, that means I'm destined to win. I think is kind of the way I look at it. So I'm very, very excited for the tournament this year. Cause I think I'm yeah. going to think I'm going to come on top, especially in that PCA uh, uh, competition that I'm in, which every year it cracks me up. The, the tagline is predestined for fun. Uh, which I think is just that's good. That's good PCA jokes right there. I like yeah, that. Yeah, a little, a little reused. I'm sure. I'm sure that we're <laughs> the first ones to come up with that at all. I heard someone on the radio, and I, I thought this is interesting. This guy's probably an East Coast dude, so he's probably more of a basketball fan than other sports. But he said that uh, uh, Mike Shashevsky uh, is the greatest. That Duke basketball is the greatest program of all time. And John Wooden would like a word. John Wooden like a word, and so would Nick Saban. Oh, yeah. I guess you could use, if you're going to lump in all of... So he was speaking for co- all college sports, not just college basketball? Yeah. That's what I heard. Whoa. I mean, Krzyzewski's been around for a long time. That, that to me, might be the one exception. But you get the dollars and the viewer, viewership and just the duration of Nick Saban's... I mean... Uh, how long has Shostakovich been? Twenty five years. It's been a long, long time. I mean, he is. He came, he this, is a- he came the same year to Duke as um, uh, Jim Valvano came to NC State. So, however long that was, yeah, I couldn't tell you that. What mid eighties? Yeah, I think that's right. We're talking thirty something years. Yeah, I think that's right. Wow. Let's get and our fact is- checkers on it. Yeah, we'll do that. Hey, Joe. <laughs> 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 I got to hire someone named Joe <laughs> taken care of. Um, yeah. That, but that, that to me just reveals the, um, the East coast, uh, the regional biases, right? Like East coast folk tend to be really into basketball. That's like all they care about. And then like in the Southeast where football is King, it's like that, that was always like growing up, I was a basketball player. Um, and so I was always kind of like a second class citizen in high school uh in texas and in fact the, the line was in for football it was like in the playoffs was you lose and you have to go play basketball it was like a punishment that like oh you're playing basketball that means your football season's over yep. so like i get that i can't i sort of get the regional bias here where a bunch of people probably from alabama are like mm, no it's football we're king yeah although they have a pretty good basketball program as well so true. you know true. they're in the tournament so um and so while we're talking about, you know, football being king stadiums, which actually maybe segue if we really wanted to be clever, kind of pull like a youth pastor, you know, move about. Should I sit backwards in my chair? Is that, is that what we're getting towards? Hey, do you have a stool <laughs> beyond coffee cup? Uh, but what, what we actually wanted to discuss here was something that is, is hopefully like an, an encouragement for Christians Um as a way to witness and remind and to be um, salt and light, as well as to be a breath of fresh air and and a cold drink of water to other believers and non-believers. And that is this Christian concept of sacred space. And the, the, the idea of sacred space is not something that is unique to Christianity. It is something that is found in all religions. Um, And the fact of the, the idea of the sacred is even true in the most secular um, areas, if you will admit the fact that there are things that you cannot say, there there are things that are off limits, and so the, the sacred is is everywhere. Um, sacred spaces in all religions. Christianity, though, uh, the true faith uh, has a true understanding of what is sacred space, how it exists, and what it means for us, and and how it is to uh, supply us with life 
um, and how it is to reaffirm how we have been called uh, to motivate us to live life in the world, to be salt and light. And, and what we do is kind of set that in contrast of why we think that's valuable is looking at our post-secular um, world that we live in, um, especially in a place like DC and all that is happening here. And one of the benefits and values of reminding ourselves and other Christians of what sacred space is. So maybe we should say first, like where that sacred space is uniquely that we're talking about. Um, and I think I'll kick it over to you for a second, but the first thing I want to say is like for the Christian, um, as we have been united to Christ, um, we are a temple of the Holy spirit who are being built up together in him. We are the body of Christ. So is there a sense in which we as individuals are a sacred space because we are the image of God who has been redeemed to carry out his mission in the world. But there's also another concept of sacred space that is the church gathering on Sundays, on the Lord's Day. So, Rob, what I want to do is tee that up for you for a little bit. If there was something you wanted to work out, maybe just a little bit, and then we'll go back to the idea of of our context in D.C. And that's probably similar and uh, connected, corresponding to other areas in America. Yeah, I mean, so when you say sacred space, I'm just thinking about, okay, well, where is that in Scripture? And I think some of the first times you see it, right, are... Uh, at least one of the most prominent examples in the Pentateuch is right is the burning bush, where it, where Moses is set told to you know remove your shoes. You are you are on holy ground. You are in the presence of the Lord, um, and that's that's sacred in a way that other space wasn't uh, during that time. Um, and then obviously throughout the the Pentateuch, you have the the meet the tent of meeting. Um, and the idea of the presence of God being there in the tabernacle, the priests had to do very uh, uh, tedious uh, cleansing rituals in order to approach God. Um, and so you have all that, uh, I think in, in mind. Um, and then, you know, you kind of go into the new Testament. I think probably where a lot of people's heads go, which is where mine goes is I, I think about, um, Jesus interaction with the Pharisees where, uh, remember his disciples are picking uh, grain on the Sabbath. Um, and the Pharisees kind of charge them with sort of blaspheming this sacred, uh, uh, set apart time. Um, and Jesus, uh, has a very, uh, famous line where he says, um, uh, uh, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. Um, so some, I think, take that as saying, okay, well then the new Testament is so wholly different that there's no such thing as this sacred space, sacred time thing. Um, in fact, a lot of, there are some Protestants who, who have, and, and who have taken it that way. Um, but I think you're exactly right to bring up that point about the sacredness that comes with the unity of Christ, because Paul hits on that later when he's talking about sexual ethics, about, you know, why I think it's in, I think it's in Corinthians, why the Corinthians can't uh, uh, sleep with prostitutes. And he basically, what, what Paul is saying is that like, you're united to Christ in such a deep and, and unfathomable and mysterious way, but that when you join your member to the prostitute, you are actually joining Christ to that prostitute. And that's blasphemous. That's uh, that you are violating sacred space there. Um, and so definitely there's not a complete uh, break between the Old and New Testament when it comes to this idea of sacredness. And yeah. I think that's really important as a sort of an intro comment. Yeah. And we can get to the end and point to some scriptures that illustrate this. I think of First Peter 2, when it talks about the, the whole message of Hebrews is unique to gathering as God's people. Do not give up the habit of meeting together. You know, uh, when Paul talks about the importance of the Lord's Supper as well, that is an event where people are meeting together. So there, there is a concept of sacred space. But before we get there, going back a little bit and mm -hmm. talking about 
the hustle and bustle of places like DC of the work week of the intensity and why um, this kind of, this kind of space is important. Um, You know, the Holy spirit is on the move everywhere. The Holy spirit is like the wind. We don't see where he comes from, where he goes, but we feel his presence. So we know that is true. Um, But the, the work pace can often be very frenetic for people um, that we work with on the Hill Uh, and, and in all jobs uh, you're moving from one place to another Uh, you're constantly having to assess what is the agenda of this person? What are they looking for? What are they asking of me? Um, What, you know, this, whether it's a lobbyist or another member or another office thinking through the complexities of that and uh, whether it's a transactional relationship that's there um, uh, or what have you, there, there is a, um, I would say in some ways, a secularness to, to the space outside of, of the Lord's day worship. Uh, and I, I wanted to ask you, what, what are some things that you see as the ways that, that, um, that this, this can be wearing or, or difficult? Yeah. Um, well, I think if you, it, I think we have to recognize that we sort of work on a rhythm of moving in and out of, of sacred and secular spaces. That's sort of how we make sense of things. Um, you know, and this is true on, in all kinds of things. I, I think, you know, in sports, there's a sort of like, you see it in sort of like practice versus games. That's like kind of the rhythm of the way that works is, or you've got, you know, you've got your sort of day-to-day Monday through Saturday practice. And then Sunday is the, is the day for the game thinking of football, uh, for example. And uh, uh, that's like sort of a sacred time. Um, Whereas, you know, this is happens on Capitol Hill too, right? Like, you know, the stuff that you're doing in your member's office and sort of writing, but like when you go into the, into the chambers, right, that's like a sort of sacred space. And so there's different rules there. Uh, and that's actually how we make sense of things that like that, that connects to something about who we are. Um, and it makes sense. If, if everything's, if every day is the same, it's just sort of this, like this uh, infinite uh, progression of, of, of tediousness and like, um, uh, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Like um, you, you need the breaks, you need the times to sort of stop and to stop relying on yourself and to like give up yourself um, and uh, to uh, uh, appreciate that and then move back into um, your normal routine. I think that's, that's really important because if you don't have that, there's just, there's, there's no breaks in like the rest of the, the, the days can just be so overwhelming. And so you just can't, no, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I think one of the points that you're making is that there ought to be a break that marks out one week from the next. God has given us seven days for a reason and one in seven days to be a day dedicated to worshiping him. I was one time at a dinner um, that was about a faith and work ministry. And one of the point, and, and a lot of good stuff was being done. There were a lot of good points that were made, but one of the points that was really emphasized strongly was that we have done too much to elevate Sunday and we've, we've, we've de-sacralized overly um, Monday through Saturday and that we need to acknowledge that there's not a greater holiness for Sunday than Monday. And I was, I was surprised by that and actually kind of had something a little bit of like a, like a shock to my system on how much agreement there was in the room to this, Mm -hmm. especially among pastors. Um, 
because there is something that's different about Sunday, that there is a, a way that that is different. And I went home and told a friend of mine who was working at a big four accounting firm about this. And I was like, man, uh, Eric, like, this is one thing I was hearing. What do you, that, that, you know, there's no difference between Sunday and Monday that we need to recognize they're all the same and um, treat them as, as, as equal in terms of their holiness before God. Um, and his response was really good. He was like, man, I, I don't like that. I need Sunday to be different mm-hmm. when you're working like that uh, so strongly um, Monday through Saturday, uh, there is a need to recognize that Sunday is a day of rest, that it is marked out in distinction, um, that it is a day to be filled up, to receive the good things of God, to meditate on his promises, to enjoy his gifts and bounty um, so that we can go back out to the world and serve. It doesn't mean that we're not salt and light. It doesn't mean that, you, that, the, that the purpose of witnessing, of loving our neighbor ceases to happen Monday through Saturday at all. In fact, that's what we're called doing. That's part of Christian mission. Uh, so in that sense, are the days holy? Our, our labor is holy before him, certainly. Um, uh, those days are days that God works on. It's not like people only get saved on Sunday. Um, but it, I think that what that what we can do is, is ignore this importance and therefore unintentionally put a weight on people throughout all the week when there is a needed break within there. And so again, to take this back, you know, when I think about people working on the, on the Hill, this isn't to say that that work doesn't matter and that all their work is meant to just get them to Sunday and, and therefore it's meaningless and just get charged up and go. No, what I'm saying though, is that, um, that as, as humans, we are reliant on a sacred space that has been given to us by God for his glory and our good. Um, and that by honoring, I think, those days correctly and by recognizing that when we go to church, we are uh, being called by God to enter his presence, to enter his rest, to receive good things. That's the beauty of Sunday. Sunday is a day of receiving. It's a day of receiving and receiving, giving him praise and receiving. Um, that, that that can allow us to, to be replenished, um, to be restored in order to continue on the work. And I think as Christians, we have a, a lot to share with other believers um, in this reality and truth. Yeah. The idea of, you know, Monday through Friday, I am so self-reliant. Um, it feels like that way. You know, it, it feels like I am, you know, I set my schedule, I work hard, I'm trying to accomplish my goals and my dreams and um, I'm, I'm putting out fires and I'm handling crises and, you know, dealing with all these things um, and that moving in it, out of that space and into a sacred space is, is the rem, the reminder, the remembrance that I'm not self-reliant there. I'm not uh, 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 the sort of the captain of my own ship. I, I, I'm, I need, uh, the Lord and his, his good gifts and his, his grace. Um, and I also need to know that when I go out Monday through Friday, I'm, I'm sent out by him and I'm called out by him, uh, to do this work that he's, he's put before me. Um, and I think that's a really good, uh, uh, reminder as we go out into, into the work week, because if we don't have that, um, to kind of go back to what I was trying to say earlier, like everything, it just gets so monotonous. Everything gets so overwhelming and just unable to really manage the stresses of life. If you don't have a day, one day out of seven 
to sort of step out of it and to to come back before the Lord and 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 come to Him with open open hands and say, Lord, I need you. Um, all this stuff that's in my life is crazy. I I need you. Mm. Um, and to see Him, oh, okay, I see how He's working now in those things. Um, after I've you know heard the gospel, or after I've heard the word preached, or I've heard or I've uh, taken the sacraments, to see uh, how He is He's there with me uh, throughout those things. I think, yeah, without that without that sacredness to kind of use my, my metaphor before, you know, it's all practice, but no game. And I think for an athlete, that's, that's not, that's not desirable. That's hell, right? All practice, no game. That's, that's not the why. that's not the reason why you're an athlete. Um, and I think similarly for Christians, we, we need, we need the day where it's not on ourselves. We've, we've, we come before the Lord, um, and we worship him and we enjoy his presence. Um, and then we sort of bolstered up to go out uh, and do the work that he's called us to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm reminded of the end of RC Sproul's book, the holiness of God. And he talks about sacred space, sacred time. And one of the points that he makes is uh, he talks about the Holy land. And so when people go to Jerusalem, they go to Israel um, and they go to the Mount of Olives or they go to Golgotha and they just are overwhelmed by the sacredness of that place. And so I would say that naturally as humans, we have a tendency to make things Sacred. So even if for people who are like, oh, I don't know if church is any different from the rest of of uh, gathering with Christians is any different. I say, but we have a we have like an intuitive sense, especially as Christians, that certain places are special. And then Sproul makes the analogy of like where he came to faith as always sacred to him, mm-hmm. and that is not like a biblically sanctioned thing. But there is a sense in which there are places that we remember, places that we know, like the Lord met me here. Mm-hmm. This was a special place for me. That is not a biblically mandated. Uh, commanded thing, but it is a place where we are able to remember that God has acted in our lives. And so I think to recognize that we already have this. And so how much more should we not consider this command to gather together as a place of sacred space? And then also, which meets sacred time. That is that it is uh, the Lord's day is the sacred time, sacred space meet together. And something else that uh, you, you mentioned the sacraments and I'm uh, in the Westminster Confession, where it talks about um, the the chapter on sacraments before it gets into baptism and the Lord's Supper, how it says that one of the purposes of sacraments is to mark us out from the world. And um, I think to our uh, late modern ears, that level of distinction can sound cruel or elitist or um, self-right sectarian or something. Yeah. Um but we have to remember that it is only by means of being set apart by God that we are able to offer anything to anyone. Two drowning people cannot rescue each other. It is only mm-hmm. one who has been set apart in the life raft who has been picked up by the Coast Guard who can therefore help the other person who is drowning. So I think when we consider what happens when we meet in a place where we take the sacraments together and we see the Lord acting, that that allows us to be marked out to remember our unique calling to therefore love and care for those around us. And and that is not something that we do. Um, we don't say people, uh, we don't call ourselves. We are called by him into this place to do these things. And so all of this works together, I think, to really drive us back um, uh, into the world, but before that, even to glorify God with our, uh, with our lives and our, uh, our gifts that he has given to us. That's a really good point. I mean, I'm thinking of something we, we were talking about at our last staff meeting, which is right. We, we want to meet people where they are. We don't want to leave them there. Right. We, we want to bring them with us. 
Um, and that place is, is before the presence of the Lord, which is, is different. It's a different space, uh, than where we were before. Um, and that's, that's good. I mean, that, that, that recognizes, and I think that, that where a lot of people recognize is that, you know, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm lost. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, in need of a, of a, a, a savior and a, a person who can, who can bring me where I need to be. Um, and that, that's kind of the work of, of our Monday through Friday of, uh, working faithfully for the Lord and to be sort of little ambassadors as we go out, uh, and to show people the way back. Um, that's a really, that's a really great calling. Um, it doesn't diminish the work that we're doing. There's, there's important work to be done. Um, but it does, I think, recognize the fact that, um, the, this, the difference between the, the sacred and the secular um, and our desire to ultimately in glory to be forever in front of, in the presence of the Lord, right. The, to be forever in that sacred space, I think is, is the inward desire of all of us. Um, and we get a foretaste of it uh, on this side of glory in Sabbath worship. Um, and then eventually uh, in glory, we will, we won't have, it. it'll just be always before, the presence of the Lord. And that will be, that will be truly a glorious and glorious thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, there's, there's just one passage. I, Cause I said, I would mention that I mentioned first Peter two, four, but two, four um, starting in verse five, we'll just read verse five it says you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Um, as Christians, every week we go through something of a scattering uh, a diaspora that happens. Um, it's a reason we receive a benediction at the end. Uh, it's a reason that we receive a good word before going out so that we receive God's, God's blessing to us as we are meant to go out. But that going out also implies a having come in together. So I, yeah, Robert, I, I appreciate what you're saying. And uh, somewhat of a simple uh, message or word here to consider the importance of uh, this sacred space to gather together in church in person uh praise god that is happening here in dc again it's been back for a while but uh it is something to be fought for to to cherish to protect um to be together with one another uh in worship and to uh be be replenished and filled up and our hope is that by you know was one christian to another as ministers engaging with other christians to recognize the need people have of this place and to do what we can to cultivate an air of hospitality, of, of friendship, of fellowship within this space and a joy at worshiping God, as well as a reverence before him. Um, and I think, you know, last thing I'll say is just really grateful for the work people are doing throughout the week. Um, really grateful for the faithfulness that people serve and Sunday can be a way to uh, honor that by making sure that rest is given to people for the labors that are being done. Uh, throughout the work week as well. You know, we didn't even really get into it, but like the way that this disruption happened during COVID and I'll just say as sort of anecdotal evidence, like I've uh, watched on Twitter now sort of churches have really gotten back into routine of being in person uh, at full capacity, sort of, you know, there's, I think that we, we lived in a sort of weird um, uh, period where uh, uh, there were, uh, a lot of people were coming back, but there still, there were a lot of people that didn't feel comfortable coming back yet. But now I think we've gotten past that point where a lot of people, you know, people feel for the most part, 
uh, overwhelmingly comfortable being back in church. Um, and I've noticed just anecdotally on Twitter that there's a lot more people talking about how their churches are doing, you know, fellowship meals after church, more Sunday school offerings before church. And I think probably during COVID, when a lot of people worshiped online or worshiped in a more sort of like um, uh, uh, shortened or, or abridged, you know, Sunday worship, um, uh, this idea that like, wow, my, my weeks really blended together because I didn't have that separation. Right. You know, I, I, I sit in front of a screen Monday through Friday and then Sunday I was now sitting in front of a screen too. And now kind of now that we've come on the other side of, of COVID, you know, people like crave that, that distinction, that separation of being like, okay, I want to come, I want to be at church for Sunday school. And then I want to be there for service. And we want to have full service. And then I want to be there for a fellowship meal. And I want to do community group. And just my whole day has now been separated mm-hmm. apart from the rest. And it's been so distinct. I think that's, I, I, my sense is that that's happening a lot more and people mm-hmm. are appreciating you know, the, the distinction, the, the separateness of, of Sunday from uh, the rest of the week. Um, yeah. and I, I think that's a great thing. And I think that, you know, uh, it'll be a privilege and a, and a freedom that will be jealously guarded going forward. And I think if there's any been lesson, if there's any lesson about Sabbath that's come out of COVID, I, I think it's probably that, um, uh, how important it really is and how uh, fundamental it is to the sort of the liturgy of life uh, as a, as a follower of Christ. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't, I, I don't think people will be so uh, quick to give it up uh, uh, in the future. That's kind of my last, my last thought about it as I think about it in context of sort of political situations. Yeah. And with that, I think is the importance for us to be praying for wisdom and discerning how to, um, uh, look, I'm also aware that DC is totally different from South Carolina or Texas or mm-hmm. wherever, and that we are way behind on getting things back together in person. And so, um, so things are different, but, but for wherever you are listening, I think there's a lot to pray for, for wisdom to not uh, waste this opportunity to uh, not do too little or too much in responding um, because you can definitely burn people out with like too much togetherness. Um <laughs> You can burn people out with too many new programs. You can burn people out. You can you can make people still lonely by not doing anything. I mean, so there's a lot that pastors are thinking about. That, so we need to be praying for our pastors as well to for humility and grace and and wisdom and all these things. But um, let's not let's not waste this opportunity because we are people of pendulums, uh, it seems. But for sure, um, Robert. Any final words from you? Um. Just, uh, the last thing I would I would just say is kind of going back to what Jesus says to the Pharisees, where he says that man was not created for Sabbath, but Sabbath was created uh, for man. That um, if anything, you know, that was that was said, kind of puts you on your heels, or sort of you know, kind of raises your defenses, um, uh, or you know, you you feel inclined to agree with the people that Will was talking about, who sort of said, well, there is no difference really between Sunday and Monday. Um, I would just, I would just say that, you know, these aren't arbitrary rules that sort of, you know, that, that pastors made up so that they could, you know, keep a job or to, um, uh, 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 to, to, to condemn the world to say, okay, we, we have to be just, no, but th- that the sacredness was actually instituted by God and it's for our good. He, he actually believes it's good for us. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and just encouraging people to really lean into that and, you know, see where the Lord is leading you, how to spend your Sabbath. You know, we're coming from a PCA context. Um, we have certain, you know, confessional standards about, you know, what it's proper to do and not do once on Sabbath day. Um, and we allow a lot of flexibility on that, uh, as a sort of big tent denomination. Um, I've found that the more I've kind of limited myself about some of the things I used to do on Sabbath day, whether that was like, okay, I can catch up on some homework today, or, you know, I've been saving that, uh, that project of cleaning out the garage. Well, I'll have more time on Sunday. I can just do it then. I've been trying to like organize my schedule and life in such a way to really keep those things away from Sunday and really to have Sunday for worship um, and spending time with my family and doing family worship. And I've just found how the Lord has used that uh, to edify uh, my own, uh, my own self, but then also just the, the, the spiritual life of our family. And um, I really have seen that, you know, the goodness of the Lord in making the Sabbath um, as a day of rest. Um, and I think it's just a wonderful thing to lean into. And I would just encourage people, uh, if that's not really a part of your your schedule, um, to really you know commit yourself for a period of time doing it, and just see you know what the Lord, uh, uh, how the Holy Spirit speaks to you in that time. Yeah. Well, Robert, good word to end on. We will uh, land the plane here. Thank you all for listening. We hope that as you go into the weekend, that you do have a restful. Uh, Sunday, that you do have an enjoyable day of rest and uh, that your weekend is life-giving, that you enjoy maybe throwing the baseball around or doing whatever. Uh, So uh, thanks for being with us. We'll see you guys next week. As always, you can follow Ministry to State. Uh, Check us out at ministrystate.org. You can follow Robert on Twitter at RD Hassel. You can follow me at Stockdale Will. And we look forward to being back with you next week.